going to be the first of a couple approximately 10-minute episodes covering everything from the fundamentals of the controversial social science to how it has evolved with technology. I think the use of the word evolve is a bit misleading. Philosophy cannot really evolve because philosophy doesn't believe in anything per se. It's the process of philosophizing that is philosophy, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about. If you're here, first of all, thank you for tuning in. And secondly, you're probably interested in philosophy, but are a bit intimidated by the fancy academic journals and discouraging language. Or you're just my career life connections 12 teacher. Regardless, I'm here to make it a little bit easier from the perspective of a 16-year-old who has a particular zeal for the fundamental nature of existence. Philosophy is difficult to describe, and doing so is a philosophical activity in itself. The world we know, interact with, and are a part of includes nature, consciousness, morality, beauty, and social constructs. It only makes sense that the content of philosophy is as broad and deep as our world. But again, that doesn't really explain exactly what philosophy is. For the sake of having a narrow definition to refer back to, philosophy is a way of approaching the world that traces its roots back to ancient Greek 500 years before the Comet Era. This was a time of great intellectual movements around the world, namely in Asia with the rapid birth of Buddhism. Back in ancient Greece, scholars were trying to make a distinction between how to interpret the world. This distinction was made between philos and mythos, or roughly what we today would call science and storytelling, respectively. In that period birthed the word philosophia, which literally translates to the love of wisdom. The earliest and most notable philosophers, Plato and Aristotle, both had the first universities in the Western world and taught subjects like math, astrology, biology, poetry, and political science. Now let's start with my favorite of the three, epistemology. Epistemology is the branch of philosophy that deals with the study of knowledge, including its nature, origins, and limitations. It explores questions related to belief, truth, justification, and the methods by which knowledge is acquired and again, justified. Epistemologists seek to understand how we know what we know and what distinguishes justified beliefs from mere opinions or beliefs that lack adequate support. Like every aspect of philosophy, epistemology begins with the philosophical method of doubting and asking questions. What if everything we know is false? Can we be sure of the truth of our beliefs? What does it mean for a belief to be true? The objective of philosophers is to craft possible answers and identify problems with those answers, and then formulate solutions to those problems and look for counter-arguments. There is a lot of questioning happening. For example, in questioning the actual possibility of knowledge, philosophers could imagine ways the world could be set up such as that our beliefs are false, and then try to determine if we can rule out the possibility that the world is indeed that way. What if there was a powerful evil demonic creature that fed you all of your conscious experiences that made you believe that you are currently listening to a philosophical podcast when in fact you are not? How could you rule this out? And if you couldn't, what exactly does that say about the concept of knowledge? Like in all areas of philosophy, epistemology relies on argumentation. 
Argumentation is described as the act or process of forming reasons and of drawing conclusions and applying them to a case and discussion. Because of this, the pursuit of knowledge can be considered an empirical phenomenon. Persian polymath and scholar Ibn Sina stated that all knowledge is a result of either forming concepts or acknowledging the truth of propositions. He stated five different types of propositions. Sense data, data of reflections, tested data, propositions with a middle term, and data provided by multiple sources. These propositions graduate in levels of empiricism. Sense data is any object of immediate perception like the grass is green or the sky is blue. Data of reflections is easily described as an example of this statement, humans think. This isn't easily discernible through our senses like sense data is, but it's something that does not need to be replicated and it can be reached through reflection. Test data is acquired by testing something that again does not need to be replicated to be said to be categorically true like fire burns flesh. The next one is a bit complicated so I'll break it down. Let's start with a statement. All even numbers are divisible by 2. The next statement, 6 is divisible by 2. Therefore, 6 is an even number. What I just said is an example of propositions with a middle term. Each of the two assumed premises, 6 is divisible by 2 and all even numbers are divisible by 2, share a common statement, divisible by 2. However, the conclusion does not. That again is a proposition with a middle term. And lastly, data provided with multiple sources is the most scientific of the propositions. Next in our big three is metaphysics. Because metaphysics is so large a discipline, I'll be listing some things it covers. First is ontology, the study of existence, or more accurately, the study of things that exist. If a theory logically entails the existence of X, then you are ontologically committed to the existence of X. If your premises are true, a premise being a declarative statement to prove the truth of a conclusion, then your conclusion must be true as well. Now, stick with me for a bit. Using our fancy new term, if you, for your theory to work, you need dark matter to exist, you are now ontologically committed to the existence of dark matter. Next is modality in metaphysics, the way that language expresses necessity and possibility. Also in metaphysics are identity, mariology, personal identity, time, the travel and reality of, cause and effect, universals and properties, free will and determinism, the grapple between existence versus subsistence, and last but not least, materialism versus idealism. This, of course, is just a small sampling of contents of metaphysics, but it accounts for the bulk of what is dealt with. Some open-ended questions metaphysics asks, answers, and critiques are, what is real? What is being? Is there a purpose to our being? Is there a God? What is the self and consciousness? Do human beings, however defined, possess free will? These are all questions that I will flash out in later episodes, but here's a little introduction. 
let's consider the acorn. An acorn is destined to be an oak tree. If you were to look at an oak tree and compare it to an acorn, you would see drastically different things. Here comes in the idea of potentiality versus actuality. Potentiality is the capacity an item has to become a thing, and actuality is its being in said state. Aristotle offered insight into how the acorn and the oak represent change in the same being. It's important to understand that questions in metaphysics are starting points and not resting points. Lastly, in the big three of philosophy is ethics, also referred to as moral philosophy. Ethics is the discipline concerned with determining what is morally good and bad and what is morally right and wrong. If you'll notice, there's a distinction between good and right and what is bad and wrong. This distinction can be explained as such. Right and good are the two basic terms of moral evaluation. In general, something is right if it is morally obligatory, whereas it's good if it is worth having or doing and enhances the life of those who possess it. We'll flesh this concept out more in the next episode. As humans make developments and advances in areas like technology and medicine, unforeseen moral and ethical dilemmas arise. A popular dilemma in technology is that of artificial intelligence. AI is susceptible to inaccuracies, discriminatory outcomes, and embedded or inserted biases. Tons of ethical dilemmas arise from this. An allegory I appreciate when trying to understand the different sections of philosophy is that of a computer. When looking at a computer, a metaphysician may ask the following. What kind of thing is a computer? Does it have free will? How does the computer relate to its parts? Is it necessary or contingent? An epistemologist, on the other hand, may ask, what can we know about the computer? A person concerned with ethics would ask questions like, is the computer good? If it is indeed neutral, how can it be used for good or bad? The philosophy of mind is straightforward with the queries it aims to answer about our computer. Does the computer have consciousness? This question is especially relevant to question as if artificial intelligence, or more accurately, machine learning, becomes ubiquitous in our world. And lastly, a philosopher of art may ask the questions, is the computer beautiful? In other words, is it pleasing to the eye, whether that be a consensus or a particular quote-unquote eye? And lastly, is it sublime, meaning does it possess such grandeur as to aspire awe and great admiration? This is all for this episode of Philosophy Overdose, and we'll catch you all in the next episode.